What's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to another episode of the Pelican Debrief Podcast. My name is Preston Ellis, and you can follow me at Preston Ellis. Now, we're not going to waste too much of you guys' time. Like we always say, subscribe, tweet, share, like us on iTunes, like us on Blog Talk Radio. We really appreciate all of your support. Coming up this week on PelicanDebrief.com, you can read my article, The Time Is Now, talking about Mickey Loomis needing to make a decision as to the future of the Pelicans franchise. We've got some season reviews for you guys. Jordan Crawford, Czech Diallo, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins. So be sure to check that out. Coming out soon on this podcast. Very excited. In the past few weeks, we've treated you guys to Jeff Duncan, Mason Ginsburg was a popular episode, Jordan Crawford, our own editor Rick Stone, Wilton Jackson coming up next week. We're going to have Daniel Salerson uh, of WWL, and we're also going to have, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because it's just going to make him mad at me and that he's not going to want to be on the show, the editor-in-chief of The Bird Rights. We are so thrilled to have these two guys on here and to get their takes on the NBA offseason, specifically your New Orleans Pelicans. Now, let's get right to it. We've got a brand new writer here at PelicanDebrief.com named Chris Connor, and he's got some really interesting takes for you guys about Anthony Davis and about the organization as a whole. So stay tuned for that. You guys, it's time to phone a friend. And now we welcome on first time guest, Chris Connor of PelicanDebrief.com. How are you doing, Christopher? I'm all right, man. How's it going, boss? I'm so glad to have you on the show and part of the team. For those of you who don't know, Chris Connor is brand new to us and you can follow him at Impatient Bull. And before we get started, Chris, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, how you came to join Pelican Debris. Talk about your, your background as a Pelicans fan. All right, man. So, um, all right. So I'm from, I'm from New Orleans. Uh, I, I grew up in the East uh, for about, about 13 years. Uh, I moved to uh, me, my mother uh, moved me uh, to Chicago because she's from Chicago. So I've been here. Well, how old am I now? I'm 24. So I've been here for uh, about 11 years. Um, and I mean, growing up, growing up in New Orleans, I you know uh, I got a chance to right before I left to see the Hornets make it in town at, at the time. Uh, so I was a, I became a big fan then. Uh, I, I had already already been a big time Saints fan. Uh, so I basically followed the team uh, from from the time Baron Davis got there uh, to the Chris Paul era, to uh, the shortly lived Dan Dickow era, to uh, Anthony Davis. And, I mean, and so now. Uh, so uh, honestly, uh, after I I had been. I had been looking, I had been on the fan side of website for a while now. Something had randomly just, you know, popped up. Um, I write pretty much all the, you know, as much as I can when I, uh, when I have some spare time. So um, I saw uh, an opportunity that, you know, that popped up, but I had never really, you know, put together anything formal, you know, for a website or anything. But I knew that I had enough knowledge and enough love for the, you know, for the team in writing to at least put something up there. And, um, I had this idea about um, about Anthony Davis and uh, basically how uh, his the criticism he gets in well, that that he's received uh, over the past couple of years and the criticism that the organization has received. Uh, there's some things that are you know that are that are left out. Uh, you know everything isn't you know in my opinion isn't you know uh, isn't consistent. Um, and I I also think his rise to stardom. Uh, 
you know, was a little bit, uh, you know, it was a little bit premature. Um, and then the winning season that, you know, that happened after that took it to a whole new level. So uh, I put that together and, you know, I figured, you know, I'd give it a shot. And I got a I got an email a few days later, um, you know, from uh, from Phil Watson, uh, the, the the director of the NBA department with Fanside. They wanted to give me a shot, man. So it's an outstanding opportunity, man. And it's a blessing to be uh, be, be uh, with you guys and uh, on a podcast, man. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Phil Watson is a, a good friend of the program. And just with the knowledge that you're from Chicago, just last week we had Mason Ginsburg of uh, Bourbon Street Shots on, and he is now uh, a Chicago Chicago citizen, I should say. So we'll have to link the two of you guys up and get you to talk some Pelicans for us. Uh, talk a little bit more. You gave some good bits on Anthony Davis and uh, why you... I, I don't want to put any words into your mouth, but maybe his uh, ascendance to a top five NBA player happened a little bit too quickly for him. Tell me a little bit more on your opinion about that, because that's a perspective that a lot of us don't get. Uh, at Pelican Debrief and Bourbon Street Shots, all all the bird rights uh, in New Orleans, we all have Anthony Davis as a potential top five player. I would have to believe, uh, obviously, injuries and uh, teammates have have held him back Tell me a little bit more about your perspective on Anthony and the Pelicans, and where do you think he stacks as far as the NBA goes? Well, you know, see, when he is, you know, it's interesting when he when he got drafted, um, he was he was perfect for what for what New Orleans needed at the time, um, along with uh, along with him um, and and Austin Rivers. I mean, I thought it was great. It was great at the time. After his first year between between Monty, uh putting him on a on a minutes restriction and him not being able to really stay healthy, his body having to grow and mature, you know, and my I, I believe that after that first season, the Pelicans really didn't know what they had. So, you know, and, and with pressure uh you know, with pressure building from uh from Tom and later Mickey to win right now to match exactly what they're putting together with the with or what they were putting together at the time with the football uh, with the football team, they rushed. So instead of letting him, you know, instead of letting him develop and, you know, and gathering, you know, younger talent and letting it, you know, happen that way, they went out and they signed, you know, they pushed the issue. Well, let's trade, let's trade our, you know, our six overall pick to get through, which I like. Um, let's go out and sign and sign Tyreek Evans. You know, let's go out and trade a pick box. We have to win right now. Um, I think that they thought that they were getting a guy and Anthony Davis, that you know, he was going to be really good. He could he could make an All Star team. He can average, you know, a double double, maybe 17, 18 points. You know, you know, uh, ten rebounds, but not really be, you know, uh, a top five overall NBA player at least right away. They didn't expect that. So year two happens, and he goes, he blossoms, and you know, he's averaging twenty three points again. He's you know, he's he's showing, hey, you know what, I can be the man. He gets a little bit bigger. Well, that kind of that kind of that creates conflict, you know, with all of the different ball handlers that they that they brought in to go with Eric Gordon. You know, you have a lot of mouths to feed here. Um, after that, if if anyone knows anything about Anthony Davis, he's a you know he's a real you know he's a shy guy. He's not gonna you know he's not gonna step up and step on any toes, you know. And he's watched these guys play uh, from you know you know he's you know he watched Tyreek play you know watched Tyreek win a win a rookie of the year you know he you know he, he grew up watching watching guys like you know Drew Holiday on you know on television 
Uh, Eric Gordon is a local is a local uh, Chicago Indiana guy, so he watched him as well. Um, and you know, you throw in you throw in all of those factors. He wasn't going to step on any toes. He wanted to just you know stand and play his role. Ownership, you know, whether it be ownership, Monty eventually you know told him, "You're the number one pick. You have to you have to be this star. This is this is your team." Well, everyone didn't know. I don't think everyone agreed with that. So eventually, you know, it causes it causes problems. So year two, year two goes goes out of the way. Uh, they they go through injuries. Year three comes. He's, in my opinion, the, still the same basketball player, just a little bit bigger. He really he couldn't really uh, he wasn't a guy that could create for his own um, offensively. He was a pick and roll, pick and pop guy. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna grab some offensive rebounds. He's gonna run in transition. But that's pretty much it. For the most part, his mid-range shots, you know, got a lot better, I, I, I would say. But, you know, defensively, he was a pump fake for being out of position, um, you know, but a really good help defender and still a, still a little bit frail. Um, the only thing that changed was that they stayed a little bit healthy and they won. That was it. They won, and they made the playoffs. You throw that into, into consideration. Now, AD goes to being, you know, um, a really, really good player. Now he's I, what you know the poll that came out. If uh, most GMs uh, after LeBron James, if they could start a team today, they're picking Anthony Davis. Well, from a skill perspective, he wasn't on the same level as a as a Russell Westbrook, as a John Wall, a Demarcus Cousins. They could do a lot more with the basketball than AD could do at that time. You know, so I mean, you throw in that, and then some of the team failures, the injuries that happened afterwards. Now he has to hold he has to hold this standard up. Um, and it was just, it was impossible for him to do it, you know, and what, what he was, what he was given at the time, and, you know, and what he, what he was, the inconsistencies, um, uh, coaching wise, you know, uh, you know, the type of team that they wanted to build, whether it was bringing in and trying to figure out, do you want to put a stretch four next to him? Do you put a guy that can, that can defend multiple positions? Do we put a, do we put a seven footer next to him? We don't know what we want to do with him. You know, and it, I think it made it it made it difficult overall. And then, you know, so now you have to pick other reasons that they're not winning. That Anthony Davis isn't the guy that we thought he was. You know, his leadership isn't there. You know, when it's a bunch of different reasons that he, um, you know, had the struggles that he had. But it's not all on him, and it's not all on the organization. You know, it's a it's a mixture of both. You know, so I, I mean, I, I thought the criticism was a little bit unfair personally, but um, yeah, I mean it. I mean, I think it, it ended up leading to, you know, where we are now, you know, uh, with the markets, which I can't complain about. But, yeah, I mean, that's 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 basically that's a bit of, of what I put together for for the bird rights in my first little proposal and what got me here. So. Wow, Chris, you said a bunch of really interesting stuff in there. Uh, one thing that kind of changes the spectrum of what the Pelicans could have become, uh, you mentioned uh, he he. Be- he played in the All-Star game in his second season as a late addition when Kobe Bryant couldn't play. Maybe he doesn't make that All-Star team. Then maybe in that offseason, Del Demps doesn't go out and, and get rid of Gravis Vasquez and Robin Lopez and bring in Tyree mm-hmm. Evans and bring in Drew mm-hmm. Holiday. These are all things that massively changed the next four mm-hmm. years of our franchise. But like like you said, you, you can't really fault the front office after listening to everything you've said. AD, I think it was the first week into his second season, put up uh, the first 25-15 and 15 game the Pelicans had ever had, had seven blocks, mm-hmm. he's leading the NBA in blocks. Nobody had ever mm-hmm. seen a player who put up, you know, Moses Malone-type numbers with small forward-like athleticism. So 
you almost can't blame the Pelicans for not knowing what to do with this with this genetic freak. This this kid. It was a tough situation. It was a tough situation. Nobody, you know, we hadn't like you said, like you said, Preston, we haven't we haven't seen a guy like like Anthony Davis. I mean, it was it was a tough situation, you know, from start to finish. It's pressure on the on the organization to win. They have to figure out in a in a hurry in a pinch. Well, what do we put around this guy? What's best for him? We they didn't you know if they would have known that he was going to turn into this guy now it may have been a little bit easier you know I mean this you know this past season he really and it really it's crazy to me that you know I mean he was what he was hurt for for six to eight weeks with the with an injury and he became the best version of Anthony Davis that we you know that we've seen you know losing losing time to even you know uh, perfect his game you know but. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you put that pressure on them. They have to figure out, you know, how to how to make this work. Do we do we uh, do we build a build a team strictly around him and put shooters on the floor? Do we put guys that take the ball out of his hand a little bit more? I mean, but guys ended up leaving after that. They brought in Ashik, you know, when Robin Lopez would have been would have been just fine. You know, they were looking for guards off the bench. Rivas Vasquez did did pretty well the season. You know, uh, the first season that Anthony was there. Um, you know, you Austin Rivers. You know they put a lot of pressure on Austin Rivers. If, if he was coming off of the bench, um, if the pressure will, if the pressure was a little bit lower, it may have ended up working for him because he found a role in L.A. You know, maybe not being the the number ten pick that we thought that everyone you know was getting it hoping, but a decent piece on the right team. You know, so um, no nobody, no one knew exactly how to play this properly. Um, and you know, in addition to uh, the players that were put there, uh, it's, I can't say you can just put it all in, you can put it in one area. You know, I, I hear a lot of um, the Pelicans don't know what they're doing with Anthony Davis. Or if I don't hear that, you know, I hear, well, you know, you know, AD, um, I remember a couple years ago, you know, the big question was, well, would you take Anthony Davis and Marcus Cousins, ironically? Um, and uh, I know, I think it was Rick Buecher, they picked it. They picked the Marcus Cousins because he said Anthony wasn't a true alpha, though, you know, and that's and that's one reason why the Pelicans were where they were, you know. So, like I said, it was so many different aspects that weren't being looked into. People were just throwing things out there, seeing with a stick at the wall. The popular, you know, opinion either the organization sucks or Anthony just isn't, you know, he isn't strong enough as a personality to lead a franchise. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of great stuff there, um, like. Like we were saying earlier, the the first the first week of his second season, he averaged twenty five, fifteen, six blocks, had one game with six steals, and and mm-hmm. it is it is difficult to go back in time and wonder uh, how Gravis Vadquez and Robin Lopez would fit next to him. Gentry's whole idea was to have him as a small ball center. The team has just mm-hmm. faced so many metamorphoses in the past few seasons. Now we've ended up here with Boogie Cousins, with not a lot else uh, alongside these two guys. We came from a, a pretty deep roster of guys who got injured a lot to, su- to two superstars, and uh, now we've got this Drew Holiday predicament. It is, by all accounts, the most important offseason in our 12-year history, you know, because we have Absolutely. one year with Demarcus, we got to get him to stick around, and if we lose to Marcus, you'd have to think we start over with Gentry. We start over with Demps and potentially, you know, upset our superstar and Anthony Davis that we're trying to figure out to put him in the best position to win. Talk about Tom Benson 
and general, our president of basketball operations, Mickey Loomis. He's the Saints general manager. For the third season in a row, we're, we're just waiting. We're waiting to see what they're going to decide to do going forward with Gentry, with Demps, with Cousins, with Holiday. Why are we still waiting, Chris Connor? What side of the fence are you on? Are you on team patience or are you on team desperation? Well, well, number one, uh, I definitely, I read your piece, uh, I want to say last night, uh, about about uh, Mickey Loomis and Tom Benson. For those that have not, uh, please visit uh, com and take a read. It's a pretty good piece. So good job, Preston. Uh, but, um, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm on side uh, desperation necessarily, but uh, I do want more. You know, I, I, I think that uh, if – from the start, it's been about right now for them. Uh, I mean, ever since they got Anthony Davis, let's do stuff right now. Let's make this happen right now. Let's not wait. You know, let's let's trade drastic. Let's do it right now. But when it comes to make, you know, when they got rid of when they got rid of Monty, it didn't it didn't it didn't take as long as I thought it would. I you know, um, I'm not on I'm not on the side of patience because you know they don't have as much time as they would like to think. I mean, the time is the clock is ticking. Not only on it, on Demarcus Cousins' uh, contract, not only with with Drew being a you know a free agent, but with Anthony Davis, you know, um, you know we've we've heard Anthony say beautiful things about the city and how he likes to be here and how he wants to be on the franchise. But you know, I I, I heard Chris Paul say a lot of a lot of similar things when he was here, and eventually, you know, if you have enough um, organiz- if you have enough um, uh, enough issues or uh, just inconsistency, you know, involved in an organization. People get fed up. Even the nicest of people get fed up. And Anthony seems to be a nice guy. But if they find a way to mess this up and not make, uh, if they find a way to not properly or successfully make this offseason work, it's hard for me to for me to envision in five years Anthony still being, you know. So yes, so I'm on I'm on right now. What are what are we going to do? You know, are you going to keep Dell Dimps? You know, uh, which you know, I'm I'm I don't know what side I'm on in regards to that. You know, but you know, are you going to is Gentry the right coach for this team? You know, uh, but can you get rid of can you get rid of Gentry and get rid of you know Dimps and look at Demarcus and expect him to stay, considering everything that he went through in Sacramento, losing all of the coaches that he lost and you know the different GMs being in and out, different owners. You know, um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that says trying to want him to stay, you know, long-term in New Orleans. Um, in regards to Mickey, um, like I, you know, like I said in the beginning, I, I'm a big-time Saints fan. I was a Saints fan before, you know, before, uh, you know, the Hornets came to New Orleans, of course. So, um, honestly, I mean, he's a, he, he's a football guy. Uh, I mean, you know, he's not, I mean, he's, I've heard him say some, you know, say some intelligent things in regards to basketball, but there's no secret that, you know, between Tom Benson and Mickey Loomis, if you have to ask them, if you pin them down and you ask them, well, what's first priority? It's the New Orleans Saints. You know, I mean, it just, it is what it is. And that's not, that's not fair to, you know, the fans that are, you know, that are out here that are buying season tickets, you know, that want this team to prosper and be up there with the ranks of a lot of other teams that have two superstar players. Um, they need to move fast. They need to move now. Um, they they don't necessarily just owe it to their fans and to everyone out there that's uh, you know that's a supporter, but they owe it to their players. They owe it to their star, you know, and AD and their and their co-star now, Demarcus Cousins. Um, 
So I, I think that they should move now and you know and pretty swiftly and decide what they're going to do, come up with a game plan, and let's get this thing going, man. I mean, that's, that's how I see it. Yeah, definitely. The time is now. Uh, I want to touch on a couple of stuff. You said if they pin down Tom Benson, Mickey Loomis, and, and uh, uh, allowed them to confess that the Saints were, in fact, first priority. And listening to Locked on Pels the other day, Scott Kushner uh, did a wonderful job being interviewed by Jake Madison. And he said that Dennis Lausha of the, the Superdome and Tom Benson's uh, group said that that that's not something they they get very sensitive about that they they want the public to know that the Pelicans are a priority but you know based on this waiting three and a half weeks after the season and not having any word yet it's 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 difficult to take them at their word and I'm not going to let you out that easily Christopher we we need to come to a conclusion uh, because it's clear that Mickey Loomis uh, isn't on any kind of timetable Dems has been there for seven seasons now. He has a 42% winning percentage, which is good for, uh, I believe, 11th in the West. Last year, it was 351 games of injuries. That was the story on why we didn't win. This year, it was 12 games without Drew Holiday. But even with Drew, we were still just below 500, uh, 32 and 35. Alvin Gentry... He's he's gotten a bad shake uh, with all of this because last year, of course, there were the injuries. And this year... You know, we consistently have these roster overhauls. Anthony Davis mm-hmm. should be a small ball five, but he wants to be a power forward. So Alvin Gentry is being forced <laughs> to play Omera Sheik. What do you do, Chris? Do you give Gentry and Demps uh, another year? Do you do you cut them loose now and then just upset the boat that has DeMarcus Cousins on it? When, when he hasn't had any longevity with any coaching staff or general manager, we have to make a decision what's going to be the best for this franchise going forward. What do you do here? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it, it, it looks as if, um, and most teams are like this, you know, though the coaches and the general managers, they come they come in a package. You know, they come in a package deal. So you can't get rid of one without the other. If I could, if we could get rid of, 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 of one of the two and, you know, keep the other, I would lean towards getting rid of them and keeping um, say uh, Alvin Gentry, but I don't know if say a Joe Dumars or a Jeff Van Gundy ends up coming to New Orleans, which is you know which has been you know speculation for the past two three years, uh, could or you know may or may not happen. Uh, I'm not sure if they keep Alvin. Um, you know when it comes to the markets, my worry is that you know his he's more concerned about who's going to be coaching him. He hasn't had a he hasn't had consistent. Uh, a consistent voice in his locker room over the past, you know, five, six years that's been, you know, that's been changed, you know, left and right. Um, you know, and the one coach that I remember that he, that he really liked, it was a former Hornets uh, slash Pelicans assistant coach, Mike Malone. You know, I, I remember vividly when Mike Malone got let go, he was extremely frustrated and upset with the organization. I don't know how, how he feels about Gentry and, you know, and, and being there, you know, but, um, my when it comes to Dell Dimps, uh, I I was happy when we first when we first got him. He seemed to be full of full of positive vibes. Uh, he seemed to know what he was doing. He was coming from a, a, in an outstanding organization in the Spurs. Um, and my, I mean, I, I think he handled the Chris Paul situation the best that a human could do. Um, you know, you know, he was able to add. I mean, I believe that. That year was the year we added Trevor uh, Trevor Ariza to try to you know, hope that that could help save Chris Paul in New Orleans. Um, 
the trade that that, that ended up ensuing, uh, uh, happening afterwards, getting rid of Chris Paul. I think he handled that the best way that he could. Um, and I also feel like, I mean, I don't know how many of the moves that, you know, that Dell has made is, is, is him or if it's, if it's Mickey or Tom or these moves that Dell would make personally or if it's just some pressure from, you know, from ownership. But um, I do know, you know, uh, I, I have read that, you know, he did believe that Ashik was a good fit. I didn't think it was at the time. I thought that there were other people out there, whether or whether you, you know, you keep, you know, agenda and you go get a wing or you go do other things. You know, the Pelicans haven't had a, you know, a stable wing that could do, you know, uh, things on both sides of the basketball or create for themselves in a very long time, you know. Uh, but instead, you know, you, you give your money to you, – you, you try to keep the band together, you know. And I just – I didn't think that was necessarily the right thing to do at the time. Um I mean, man, he's been here. He's been here seven years, and you know, it hasn't been you know the easiest job for, really for anyone, you know. But I hear a lot of people say that Demarcus Cousins, the the boogie trade, saved his job, you know. Uh, but I don't know how much that Dale really did there, considering the Kings were in love with Buddy Hill, you know, um, during the uh, during before the draft and after the draft. They loved Buddy Hill. The reports about you know the owner comparing uh, Buddy to, to Steph Curry they were around uh, in June of last year, so that wasn't anything new. Um, I mean I think you know he did do you know a decent job you know you know what I mean there was a a trade that was on the board you know with a with an, an extra pick that he ended up taking off of the off of the table and still getting the market you know but you know I, I don't know how much was really out there how, how many teams were actually really willing to put uh, forward a decent or a good enough deal for the Kings to even get the market. I don't know what the market was like for him. So um, in a sense, we may have been right place, right time. I don't know how much of that was, you know, with Dale negotiating and really doing a great job. So, I mean, he's been here seven years. It's hard for a GM in the NBA that hasn't, has only made it to the playoffs once. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, twice because he made it in his first year, uh, twice in that, in that span to really stick around, you know, but um if if it was my pick, you know, I would – I think you kind of – you have to keep them because of the package deal. I can't foresee them getting rid of one and keeping the other. I think you kind of have to keep them to, you know, you know to give it give it one more shot with this with this new roster. And if that doesn't work, of course, you have to, you have to start over. Uh, but mainly that's because of DeMarcus Cousins. You have to find a way, unfortunately, to keep him happy. And one thing he has not had is stability. And, you know, you have to give him something close to that, give it a shot to build the roster. And, you know, if it doesn't work, they're going to be going anyway. So, I mean, I wish I could say get rid of Dell Dems right now and, you know, keep Gentry or get rid of them both. But I just don't think it's that easy right now, personally. Yeah, I've got a solution, though, for you, Chris. Uh, Dems, Ooh, okay. Gentry, and Boogie, their their fates are now now inevitably tied together. Uh, by by bringing Boogie in, you know, you'd, you'd have to believe they all stay in right out this season. It, it doesn't make sense to me, however. This is where... This is the the platform that I'm standing on. Should we get to January or February and the Pelicans are in the eighth seed or maybe a couple of games out of the eighth seed, the decision will be Dell Demps's on whether or not to trade DeMarcus Cousins or to ride out the rest of the season with him. And I don't think it's fair to the Pelicans franchise or to the fans to let a lame duck general manager dictate the fate of the Pelicans' future, we only have Anthony Davis for another three seasons before he has the option out. Now is the time. 
And like you said, he hasn't done a bad job. Uh, he's he's taken a lot of gambles. Some of them have paid off. Some of them haven't. The the biggest one that we all refer to is Ashik, the five-year, $58 million trade. You can't fault him for bringing Omir back, especially after he spent a first-round pick on him. You can fault him for giving him $11 million a year over five years. There That's inexplicable. Um where you said you you didn't think it really was uh, Dell Demps winning the trade by virtue of Buddy Heel being somebody they were infatuated with. I think he won the trade by keeping the 2018 first round pick by taking that off the table. I think that was the major score for the Pelicans franchise. But but here's where I stand. And tell me your perspective on this because I haven't I haven't talked about this with anyone else. Honestly, like I'm a little scared too. I'm I'm afraid, you know, sometimes <laughs> you have one of those hot takes and and you get shot down for it and you get you you know, they they carry the pitchforks and they ride you out of town. Um in 2014, Atlanta Hawks general manager Dan Ferry read aloud verbatim an offensive comment written in a scouting report. I don't know if you remember this. It was about Luol Deng. Luol Deng, yeah, I remember. He was forced to resign. Two years later, he was brought on as the Pelicans consultant and uh, by all accounts is now working hand-in-hand with Dell Demps. Where I think it's unfair, I think it's unfair to remove Alvin Gentry. I think he deserves a spot, but like you said, general managers and coaches are tied together. If you bring in a new general manager, that means Alvin Gentry has to go. That means total upheaval. The best solution for me right now is you send Dell Demps packing and you promote Danny Ferry. Well, I, I will say this, uh, Preston, that's, that's, that's probably one of the better. Um, uh, one of the better solutions that I've that I've heard uh, for a while. Most people, you know, like a- a- everyone wants to, yeah, fire them, fire them. Okay, well, who do you sign? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's not that easy. We have to have some sort of some sort of solution here when it comes to the you know the situation. If you keep him and it fails, then what do you do? Do you get rid of him in January? That doesn't strengthen your position at all. You know, this you have to make sure that Dems or that you know. Them, so whoever you have there, they are ready for what they have to do right now. There is no they, – they can't wait any longer. They have to, no matter, uh, no matter in, in what way they do it, they have to find a way to make this offseason work. If they don't, you know, uh, the franchise of the New Orleans Pelicans is, is back to being up in the air, you know, right, right, right as it was right after Chris Paul ended up leaving New Orleans. So, um, in regards to Danny Ferry, I liked the you know uh, a lot of the the moves and uh, I like how how he handled Atlanta. Um, he wasn't put into the best situation you know there either. They were in kind of you know purgatory for a while, having to face LeBron every you know every year. And but he did his best for what for what he could you know for what he could put together. It was it wasn't necessarily his fault um, from top to bottom that you know either you know a Joe Johnson didn't turn into you know. The, the top elite star, you know, Josh Smith wasn't wasn't consistent. A lot of those guys that they had there, you know, Jeff T. You know, people. A lot of those guys were finding themselves in a sense, you know. But I think when you talk about from putting, you know, from a putting a, a roster together perspective, I think he did a decent job with, with what he had. They were fairly uh, successful, um, you know. I would say so. Um, I mean, if I could use an example, the if the Saints do end up. Say if if they get rid of uh, of a Mickey Loomis uh, at some point, 
there's I don't think that there's much of a secret that, you know, Jeff Ireland is probably the next guy, you know, uh on board to probably take that position if they if they don't go out and sign, you know, uh, you know, from from outside the organization. Normally, you know, with New with New Orleans, they're big on um they're big on bringing people up, you know, within. They don't really like going out and signing, uh, you know, uh, coordinators from from outside, you know, from from the outside, because you know they do a pretty good job of developing. At least that's what they do when it comes to the Saints, the Pelicans. They've, you know, they've tried. Um, I mean, I would say this: if you do get rid of, um, if you do get rid of Dems and you bring up Danny Ferry, uh, I think it's probably your safest pick. Um, I don't know how much uh, Danny uh, is involved in the day-to-day operations in regards to, you know, being around the players. I don't know how the players would, you know, would feel about him. But, you know, would you rather that in regards to, you know, signing, you know, Jeff Van Gundy, who hasn't, who's been away from, you know, uh, who's been away from, you know, basketball team for quite a while now. You know, uh, Jeff Dumars has been, what, over, over, what, three, four years since he's been away from Detroit. I mean, what what other options do you have out there? Um, I like it personally. I do. I do like it. Um, I do think that eventually a fresh face needs to, you know, needs to be there. I'm just curious if, you know, whoever. I mean, I really don't care who's there as long as they, you know, are able to uh, take this off season with the urgency that it needs to be uh, handled with. Because, you know, from Drew Holiday, you know, to Boogie Cousins to the guys that they bring in, you know, around them, you know, like you said, I mean, this is this is the biggest and most important off season in the past 12 years. But I will say, um, in regards to your solution with Danny Ferry, that does that, that sounds like one of the better ones I've heard. No one really has a solution. You know, they only just you know bring up, fire them or keep them. Well, and then what? You know, so yeah, that's not bad, Preston. I like that. All right, thank goodness. Uh, you know, I I believe in second chances. Like the the Saints brought in Adrian Peterson, which has been a, a subject of a lot of divisiveness among fans. I, I do believe in second chances. Some second chances are more warranted than others. And right. in this instance, if if Danny Ferry were ever to get a second chance, I think New Orleans is the place to do it. Um, and they seem to think highly enough of him to bring him on as a consultant. So if you've gone that far, he's definitely the best option. And it's 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 not... Jeff Van Gundy would make me nervous. He's just been away from the game for too long. It's been 10 years. There's, there's there's no telling what could happen with him mm-hmm. on airline drive. Mm-hmm. But with Dell Demps, I think after seven seasons, you can't say he did a bad job. You can just say he didn't figure it out. And it's time to give somebody mm-hmm. else the opportunity to figure it out, to figure out what pieces to put around Anthony Davis, to, to, to find out what kind of players we can get into New Orleans, who can be meaningful contributors, who will stay, Absolutely. who will bring us into the playoffs. We, we can't keep fighting for the ninth seed with, in my opinion, one of the best young five players in the NBA. It's time to start competing, and we need a fresh face. We need a fresh face. I got to get one more take out of you before I let you go, Chris. We have to talk about Drew Holiday. I'm, I'm really actually impressed that we've gone about 30 to 40 minutes at this point, and we haven't talked about the most crucial topic of the 2017 <laughs> offseason, which is yeah. Drew Holiday. It's the most polarizing conversation starter between Pelicans fans right now. He's an NBA right. Community Cares Award winner. Uh, Bleacher Report has him as the best defensive point guard in the NBA. He is eligible for a jaw-dropping five-year, $176 million 
what planet are we living on in which we play, we pay any form of profession this much money to do anything, much less basketball? It's just insane. These numbers are jaw dropping. Uh, uh, and a, an opponent can give him four years, $130 million. What, what the heck do we do, Chris? We moved him from point guard to shooting guard. We took some responsibility away from him. He didn't necessarily play well with DeMarcus and Anthony Davis. This is just a conundrum that, that I'm not going to be able to figure out. What's your take on it? Uh, well, I don't know if I'm, if I'm in the, the uh, minority uh, uh, when it comes to this. Uh, some people, you know, I've, I've seen both sides, you know, keep them, let them go. Um, my only question is, if you resign Drew Holiday to a max contract, I mean, because the goal, the goal was for the beginning, they, you know, the reports were they were going to sign him to either close or to a max deal. I don't think you keep him unless you sign him to a max deal because there is somebody out there that's going to give him a max contract. Uh, it's no way, it's, I mean, to me, it's, you know, it's no way around it. It's going to happen. Um, but let's say you sign him to that deal, right? what do you have left to build um, around Anthony Davis, Drew, and DeMarcus? What else is left? Can you, can you continue to gamble on, you know, 10-day contract like Jordan Crawford, who I love? Um, can you, you know, can you, can you say, you know, I mean, I mean, we also have to see what happens with the draft pick. Who knows? Maybe they end up getting, you know, a top three draft pick and, you know, that changes, you know, things. But for right now, you know, what else do you have to build around this team, especially with the salary cap being as high, you know, as it is? They need wing depth. Can you afford, you know, someone like a, uh, a Tim Hardaway Jr.? Is, is that someone that you would even be willing, you know, to bring in? You know, um, it's, uh, do you, you know, can you afford, a, you know, a P.J. Tucker? Can you even afford Dante Cunningham, bringing him back? You know, who knows what he's worth out there in the market? I don't think I personally don't believe that Drew is worth a you know a max a max deal. Personally, I don't think he's that type of player. I think he's really really good, um, but I don't know if his personality fits what they have right now. I mean, one thing one reason they struggled. I mean, I think well the one reason Drew struggled is you know with Demarcus and, and Anthony Davis. They needed him to be um, that third piece, and that means there's a certain type of selfishness that needs to come needs to come with it. Which was not a selfish guy, you know. He was more concerned about getting his guys involved, making sure Demarcus and Anthony got their touches. But they needed him to be more aggressive, which is why they brought in Jordan Crawford, and immediately the team got better out of nowhere because they needed a jerk on their team. I no no offense to Jordan Crawford, but he he's not he's not shy about shooting the basketball about creating for himself or creating for others he knew that you know just like you know my comparison with him i mean he's like when when the hornets gave marcus thornton minutes you know uh years ago you know he was exactly what the team needed someone who could create for them for themselves take pressure off of the stars that you have there and put the ball in the basket it may not always work but it's exactly what they needed. They need somebody. They they need someone that can, you know, that is going to force the issue. Drew Drew averaging you know 15 points you know this game and seven and you know, that's that's fine. But they need something closer to 18 and 10. You know, 20 and 10. And if they can't get that, then you know, and with I'm not sure if like I said if he's that guy. I think he's a lot more passive. If they can't get that, then 
you know, you have to take the risk of thinking about letting him walk and maybe going to sign a, you know, a Patty Mills and a Tim Hardaway Jr. or, you know, another point guard and, you know, another wing out there. Um, I think the roster is in better hands than most people may think. Um, I like I like Etuan more. I love I love Diallo with the passion. I really hope that Elvin Gentry gets him, you know, plus minutes next season. Um, I like Jordan Crawford. You know, I like some of the guys they have. I mean, I'm not I'm not as down on Solomon Hill as, as most maybe. I don't agree with the contract he was given, but you know, um, I do I do like him. You know, a little bit. Who knows what they're going to do with Quincy Pondexter when he comes back or if he ever comes back. You know, but. I'm just if if I had to pick Preston, I might I would choose to let Drew Holiday walk personally. Um, I know that that's tough for people to people to swallow. A lot of people don't want to hear that. But if you sign Drew to this to this max deal and the market doesn't work, you're going to be trying to trade Drew in on a, on a max deal in two years, you know, or three years if Anthony Davis walks. I mean, I don't know how you build this team, the rest of this team. Um, and bring in, you know, uh, well, by signing Drew to a max deal. If you're going to sign a third piece, I think that piece needs to be someone, you know, from top to bottom that, that is a complete, that is a superstar. I think Drew's really good. I don't know personally if he's a superstar. And it's kind of damning that you brought up Jordan Crawford, um, who gave gave the scoring punch that the Pelicans desperately needed. That's that's not what I'm referring to. What I'm referring to is. We brought in a guy on a 10-day contract who uh, was was more beneficial to our roster than a guy that we're talking about giving $33 million a year to. Um, that's I pretty mean, damning. Uh, that's, the, hard. That's, hard to, that's hard to swallow, isn't it? <laughs> where I will defend Drew Holiday was, um, according to Bleacher Report, you know, he's the best defensive point guard in the NBA ahead of Chris Paul and the like. And before we added DeMarcus Cousins, his numbers were, were pretty reputable. He was 16 and 8. He was shooting about 39% from three-point range. I might be making that up. It might have been 35. But he was shooting better. And if you compare him to someone like Chris Paul, his numbers were 16 and 8. Chris Paul's numbers were 18 and a half points and nine and a half assists. So it's 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 not that much greater than Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was producing. Now where he's not producing is when the game is on the line, when you're in the fourth quarter, when you need a play, Drew Holiday's just not your guy. He's not that guy. He's he doesn't have that killer instinct. Uh you you he can't put the team on his back. He can't, you know, navigate his way past Kawhi Leonard for for a layup when you need one. And that's not a player that you can give twenty million dollars uh, a season two, in my opinion, I I'm I'm on board with you. To we'll have about fifteen million dollars now that uh, Dante Cunningham has opted out. We'll have about eighteen million dollars to work with. We'll have to get creative on the free agent market. Uh, we'll also, of course, be in the market to trade Alexis Agensa and Quincy Pondexter, maybe even Omera Sheik. If uh, I guess uh, the voodoo priestesses smile upon us. But, uh, <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna have to get creative and we're gonna have to figure it out. But I'm on board with you. Um, I I think I think it's up to us to let Drew Holiday go. There was so much more that I wanted to talk about. We're gonna have to have you back on, Chris, because we are out of time. And I feel like I've learned so much. I've gotten so many great new takes. Outstanding job today. Again, you guys, you can follow him at Impatient Bull on Twitter. Chris, tell us a little bit about what you've got coming up on Pelican Debrief this summer. Uh well. I mean, for uh, the most part, I, I am currently uh, 
as as we speak, I'm trying to come up with some sort of uh, of concept uh, comparing uh, Drew, comparing Drew Holiday and dating. Uh, the Pelicans are in a are, are in an interesting interesting piece right now. Well, well, an interesting place, I should say. Um, and it, it it kind of it kind of can it kind of brings me brings me back to uh, to dating in a sense. So I don't know exactly how I'm gonna put it together from top to bottom. I figured out by the by the end of the week. But I'm trying to I'm trying to work on that. Um, I'm also um, I'm also gonna gonna put something together about um, about the lack of the lack of wings that the, that the Pelicans have had and their need for one. Um, they've been searching for. Um, you know, a wing that can that can either score the basketball and and defend or do both or do one really well. Uh, I mean, dare I say, since Jamal Mashburn, I mean, you know, they they need someone who just isn't a you know isn't a a knockdown shooter who can offer you something else. If they can shoot and play defense, that's fine. If they can get to the basket and and shoot, that's fine. But they need some type of dynamic player. At the small forward or at the shooting guard position, it's just been it's 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 been too long, and it's been something they haven't been able to figure out and you know be lucky with. Uh, so I think something along those lines. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Preston. I, I try to I try to take after you now with the things you put together. You seem to have something running every every hour, man. So I want to be like you when I grow up, right? I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Uh, whenever I get a spare moment, I try to put up as quickly as I possibly can. Chris, we look forward to to reading your material coming up. Get that stuff up there so we can share it with our with our readers. An outstanding job today. We'll have to have you back on soon and and finish the rest of these questions that I had planned for you. Anytime, man. Anytime. A pleasure, uh, pleasure to be on, man. All right. We'll have you on again soon. Thanks, both. All right, you guys. Thank you so much again for listening. I've been Preston Ellis at Preston Ellis. That was Chris Connor. Follow him at Impatient Bull. Make sure you go over to PelicanDebrief.com. Read all of our upcoming stuff on this podcast coming up. We've got some great new guests coming for you next week. We're going to have Brendan Clean of Bourbon Street Shots and Daniel Salerson next week. So be sure to check back and see our updates. Be sure to go to PelicanDebrief.com. And please, you guys, if you get a moment, go to iTunes, like us, hit subscribe, share this with all of your friends. We've really been doing well uh, with our friends at Bourbon Street Shots and with all of your support. So continue it. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you guys soon. Let's go, pals.